uh, the, the title for this morning is Loving His World, but in the sense of an awesome banquet. An awesome banquet. Who loves a good meal? Yeah? Who loves a great free meal? Yeah? Brilliant. Whose saliva glands are starting to just flow a little bit? <laughs> yeah, the, this title fits in within the family DNA. We've been looking at our church values over the past few weeks. And uh, the next slide shows the category that we're looking at. We've been looking at loving his world. Pete looked at gospel focused last week. We're looking at culturally aware this week. And the, the full statement is culturally aware, seeking to communicate eternal truth in ways all people understand. And it's Luke chapter 14. My um, great task this week has been to try and, and get this down to 25 minutes, and it, it's just been impossible. It's just totally impossible to do this subject justice. So I'm going to do my best with God's help. Without his help, I might as well go home, might I? Uh, we need that anointing of his spirit. But there's so many places I could have gone, but I felt drawn to Luke 14, verses 16, verses 15 to 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. I don't know how wise it was buying a field without seeing it, do you? <laughs> uh, another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. I think I'd like to have seen the oxen first. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. Does that mean his wife wouldn't let him? I don't know. Doesn't say. Sorry. <laughs> it's only a thought. <laughs> The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. God, I thank you that your heart is that we would taste the kingdom of heaven. Thank you that your heart is to invite us into your kingdom. 
Your heart is that we should have all the good things of your kingdom. Oh God, we thank you that's your heart. Thank you that you've called us to be part of the invitational process. Oh God, stir our hearts this morning. Help us to see what this is all about. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. A free, awesome banquet. What an opportunity for a great feast. Seven years ago to this very day, Becky and I were enjoying a wonderful wedding feast. The venue is between Helston and the Lizard, a place called Trelawarren. Some of you may have been there. It's, it's a beautiful setting. There's lovely lawns, lovely wooded areas. There's uh, the, the old chapel and and the, and the restaurant areas, and it's a lovely setting, beautiful. And they directed this lovely marquee and decked it out most beautifully. It, it was my first introduction to canopies. <laughs> I, I didn't know what they were. But uh, the waitresses come round with these lovely silver platters, and they were just Packed, jam-packed with these attractive, inviting, appetizing creations of food. And, and you just longed for them to walk near you. You know, just edging a little bit closer and, yes, I'll have one of those. And uh, it was absolutely mouth-watering. It was fantastic. And it was like a canopy moment. Just to savour a canopy moment. Then, after a, a while, we've we, enjoying these canopy moments, we were invited into the big marquee. And on the lawn, we had another canopy moment, as it were, but when we got in the marquee, it was a continual feast. And in the marquee, we didn't really stop eating until we were full. And you know how you come out and you're fit to bust. <laughs> it was one of those types of occasions where it was just a wonderful, satisfying meal. God is preparing a great banquet for you. You're invited. Have you accepted the invitation? You know, down here on earth, God gives us wonderful canopy moments. A canopy moment when I taste his pure, genuine, self-sacrificial love. And it is so sweet to my taste. The first century, a follower of Jesus Christ, John wrote about God's lavish love being poured out upon us that we might be called his children, that we might be in his family. Wow, to be invited into God's family and taste in our spirit God's awesome love. What a canopy moment. The psalmist said, taste and see that God is good. The psalmist is saying, I had a canopy moment of the goodness of God. And it tasted awesome. When we... When I accepted God's invitation to his banquet, when I invited him into my life, that evening I didn't feel a thing. 
But the next morning, walking to the school bus, I had two canopy moments. <laughs> I tasted his joy. A joy that was deep and, and satisfying and rich. I can't explain it. I'd never felt it before. It was wonderful. And then a canopy moment of peace. He just felt it is well. It is well with my soul. Never tasted that before. I was 14 years of age. Years later, when I was 27, I had another canopy moment of God's peace. When the circumstances were extremely painful. When we were eating the, the canopies at Trella Warren on the lawn, there were random people who, who were walking around. And they, they looked, some stared, some glanced, but we were in the presence of those who were not part of the banquet. David, Psalm 23, he, he describes God preparing a table before him in the presence of his enemies. You know, we know that the last enemy is death. Age 27, my ten-week-old baby girl, Abigail, died. And the night before the funeral, sitting up in bed, all I can describe it as a canopy moment of peace. Supernatural, undescribable, but God's Peace. You know, while we were down, while we're down here on earth, we will experience God giving to us canopy moments, even in the presence of our enemies. But there is a day coming when all enemies will be destroyed. And we'll be no longer having canopy moments on the lawn, but we will move into heaven and have the great banquet where there is no enemies present whatsoever, no pain, no sorrow, no sickness, no tears, no mourning, no death, no temptation, no sin, no enemies at all. No longer canopies on the lawn, but in the banqueting house. Yes? Thank you, Lord. Isn't that awesome? I wonder if you've accepted that invite to God's banquet. Have you tasted his canopies? you tasted his love? you tasted his joy? Have you tasted his peace? If you haven't, then today you can. And, and I'd love to talk to you afterwards, or Pete would love to talk to you afterwards, or those in the prayer team would love to talk to you afterwards and share with you how you can enter in to enjoying God's banquet. It's an awesome invitation that is given to you. You know, we, we live in a culture, don't we, where invitations are part of our culture. And, and I want to move now from this amazing banquet, this awesome banquet, to this amazing invitation. And, and this is culturally relevant. <laughs> I believe it's highly culturally relevant. It fits our culture so, well, you see, nine days ago, I was beginning to prepare this message. And a lady, who I presume lives on our street, because she invited me to a garage yard sale at 
90, sorry, 81 Alexandra Road. It was this Saturday, 10 o'clock till 4 o'clock. Now, I thought that was perfectly acceptable. You know, I didn't say, you horrible person. What are you doing bringing me an invite? Clear off. <laughs> I thought it was culturally perfectly acceptable for a lady on my street to invite me to something that's going on in her house. Didn't, didn't bat an eyelid. Because it's an invitational culture in which we live. I have another invite here. It's quite a special one. And when, when we got this invite, Becky and I, through the, through the post, we, we kind of knew it was a little bit special because it says Lord Chamberlain, Buckingham Palace on the front. Yeah. And then when we opened it, it said, the Lord Chamberlain is commanded by Her Majesty to invite the Reverend John Townley and Mrs. Townley to a garden party at Buckingham Palace on Wednesday the 29th of June 2011 from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Now, when I received that invite, and when I received that invite, I had to make a decision as whether I was going to go or not. (laughs) I only picked one of them. Which one do you think? (laughs) Yeah, this one. There might be many invites to garage sales, but there'll only be one invite to the Queen's Garden Party, I presume. You know, when I received that invitation, and and I, I realized that the Queen was invitational. The Queen is saying, I want you to come to my place, and I want you to eat my food. Now, we thought we might say hello, but there's thousands of people there, so it's, you know, it's not that great in the sense that we saw her. She was about where Pete is, but that was it, because there's thousands of people there. But she invited us to her place to, to eat her food. You know, God gives some incredible invitations in his word. You know, there's so many wonderful invitations, and I haven't got time to read them all. I haven't got time to uh, unpack everything by any means, but... In Revelation 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, Let him who hears say, Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Our God is an invitational God. John 3:16, probably one of the most well-known verses in the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. What an amazing invitation to believe and to receive eternal life. Now, the queen did not knock on my door and hand this to me, you know. And I didn't open the door and say, hi, Liz, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, she had people doing the job for her. She had people working on the invites. She had people sending out the invites. And the postman popped it through the letterbox. She had nothing to do with giving to me and Becky the actual invite, other than saying, it's on my heart to invite them, send the invite. The parable that we read that Jesus gave, the host of this great banquet He didn't go out there. He sent his servants with the invite. 
He said, go and tell them to come. You know, I, I find it absolutely staggering that the God who provides this awesome banquet, the most common way in which he invites people is to use his children. Isn't that a staggering? He does invite directly sometimes in dreams. I'm not ruling that out. But usually, he sends us as the postman, or us as the person to hands-on invite, or verbal invite. We go right back to the first century. Philip invited Nathaniel. He said, come and see. This guy is different. Jesus, could this be the Christ? We think it's the Christ. We think it's the one sent by God. Come and see. The woman who lived in Samaria met Jesus at the well. And he was totally transformed as he talked to her and offered her living water. So she rushes off to the village and she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And they rush to see Jesus. And many believe, not because of what she said, but because of what Jesus says. In our culture today, there is the power of the invitation. I don't want you to miss the power of invitation. Over the years, I have responded to some invitations that I really didn't want to go to. <laughs> Haven't you? Yeah? School was a prime example of this. <laughs> you know, all these fundraising events that they dreamed up. And you got the invite. And you felt you ought to go. Yeah? You didn't dance up and down and think, that's great. I really want to do that. You thought, I ought to go. You know, when you give somebody an invite to something that will introduce them to Jesus... Sometimes they only come because they ought to go. Because you care about them enough to invite them. They might not be coming for any other reason. When I was a 14-year-old boy, I was invited by my dad to go to a Monday night Harvest Festival special service at my uncle's church. It was in a village hall in North Yorkshire, a place called Clapham. And I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. Nothing within me wanted to go. Why did I go? Because the option was being home alone. And I thought the worst option was staying, but it was still a bad option going. I'm just being very honest with you. That was the only reason I went. Little did I know that that night, God would whack me between the eyes. preacher, a guy called Bert Chambers preached on Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. And God basically said, it's your time! It's your time! Stop rejecting me. Stop walking away from me. Stop pushing me to one side. Give your life to me. Follow me. Receive my forgiveness. It's time! And that night I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's the best decision that I've ever made. I say that again. It is the best decision that I have ever made. You know, we have an invitation from God, this amazing invitation from God, and all you and I need to do is hand it out. 
Is that difficult? Is it difficult? Is it difficult? All we need to do is hand it out. You know, my dad handed me that invitation verbally. Bert Chambers handed out the invitation as he preached. And I heard God. God invites, but he asks us to give the invitation out. Will everyone say yes? Verse 18. The first wave of invites go out. Come on, it's time to come in. They all, alike, began to make excuses. That's pretty discouraging, isn't it? Wouldn't you be discouraged? You've gone out and said, come on, it's time for the banquet. And every single one of them said, I can't come, I can't come, I can't come. Give excuse after excuse after excuse. You know, the response is not our responsibility. It isn't. But handing out the invite is. That is our job. And we need to do it in season and out of season. You see, the first wave of invites, it was out of season really, wasn't it? There was nothing happening. To use another analogy, the fish weren't biting. There's nothing going on. But still give out the invitation. And then the second and the third wave, it was in season. (laughs) And people said yes. And they came to the banquet. We have got this autumn an autumn fishing season. And and there's a real sense in my heart that this is a time of being in season. We're not going to start preaching a different gospel. It's the same gospel. But God has given to us that picture of 153 big fish. And in my heart, I just feel and I'm believing for this autumn to be a season of catching fish. We've invited an evangelist called Jonathan Conrad to come down from the 2nd of November to the 8th of November with his team to work in St. Austin surrounding area. And they'll be here to catch fish. <laughs> That's why they're coming. <laughs> they're not coming for holiday. <laughs> they're coming to catch fish. To that end, we need to prepare and to prepare well. You see, you can invite very badly, can't you? You can say, well, you know, would you like to come for lunch? Uh, My wife is nicknamed the flame. (laughs) This isn't true. This isn't me. (laughs) She incinerates everything. Would you like to come? (laughs) That's a bad invite, isn't it? Isn't it? And if you say, my wife makes the most awesome roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. She makes the most awesome delicious cakes. Would you like to come? (laughs) There's some nods this time. See, how we invite is so important. We need to prepare the ground as well. And that's what these are all about. You see, we need to be praying for people. This is a spiritual thing. This isn't just about sharing information. If it was just about sharing information, we'd have everybody saved within the next week or two, wouldn't we? We'd just go on every door and tell them, and that'd be it sorted. 
But it isn't about just sharing information. It's about God's Holy Spirit. If God's Holy Spirit isn't at work, nobody will respond. It's as simple as that. We need to pray. We need to pray. That is so important. This is a spiritual invitation. So we need to pray. We need to build relationship. Because if you're going to invite somebody around for lunch and they've only met you once, then the chances are they'll say no. Isn't it? But if you've got to know them, built relationship with them, and you invite them, they're more likely to say yes, because the power of the invitation is greater. They feel they ought to, even if they don't want to come. I couldn't care less whether they want to come or not, as long as they come. It doesn't matter. So we want you to, the leadership team, have spent time praying and thinking and, and, and planning and, and we, we believe that it's a significant autumn. So we're saying in this bookmark to help each, to help us on the leadership team, to help you, to help everybody. I commit for the next six months to be invitational, to build relationship with and pray for. And there are some spaces there where you can write people's names. You can write as many names on there as you want. You can start going on the back as well if you want. It's, but the, the commitment is I'm going to do that. And I'd love it if you would sign your name on the back and date it and say, you know, this is a commitment. This isn't just a bookmark that's going to stay in my Bible. I'll never look at it again until, you know, the autumn and think, oops, oh dear, I never prayed for any of them. I never actually built any relationship with them. I've now got to invite them. Oh dear, whoops. No, I, I, I want us to take this seriously because this invitation is the greatest invitation ever. The banquet is the greatest banquet ever. That's why I started with the banquet, because it's so important. We don't want people to miss it, do we? So think about whose names to put on there. Fill it in, sign it on the back, and pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that God will soften their hearts, and pray for an opportunity at the right time to be able to invite them in an appropriate way. Because sometimes... A very low-pressure invite is more powerful than a high-pressure invite. We don't have to be high-pressure. But sometimes it is good to have a high-pressure invite because that feels right. So invitation, so important. Paul, the first-century missionary, went on to talk about the message, because we've looked about the the great banquet. We've looked about this awesome invitation. But there's a message that goes with that invitation, isn't there? They're going to hear a message either when they come and see what's going on here, or you might get the opportunity to share the message. It doesn't really matter. The message stays the same but the way in which we share it changes. The words that we use change from generation to generation, from culture to culture, from subculture to subculture. You see, you're involved in some subcultures that nobody else in this church is. I used to be involved in the subculture of farming, so I could talk to farmers in farmers' language. You can talk to different people in different languages. When you're at the school gate, you can talk in that, Skill gate language. 
If you're a teacher, you can speak in a teacher's language. If you're a football fan, you can speak in a football fan's language. And we can use illustrations from those subcultures. For example, missing the mark. You know, as a footballer, you know what missing the mark means. It doesn't matter if you hit the crossbar, if you hit the bar, if you hit both posts a hundred times during the game. Or if you hit it into row Z. Or hit the corner flag. It doesn't matter, you've missed the mark. Footballers understand that, because at the end of the game, you've lost. We can use illustrations in those subcultures. We can reach people in those subcultures by the language that we use. But the message is unchanging. Paul said this, that he had become all things to all men that he might win some. The way that we share the message is different in different places. Jesus talked to fishermen about becoming fishers of men. He talked to the woman at the well about water. In 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 25, Paul says, yes, I bring it in relevant ways. I become all things to all men, but there is something that cannot change. He said this, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased with the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a miraculous sign. The Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews. And foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jew and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom, man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's the last point is the bill for the banquet is massive it's massive the bill for the banquet is so massive that it creates a problem for some of the people who are invited see this is the bit that cuts right across our culture the message of the cross cuts across our culture See, we want to earn it. We want to deserve it. We don't want to acknowledge that we have need of it. It's a bit like inviting a vegetarian to a roast beef dinner. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm saying it because we don't want to make a point. You see, some people don't eat meat because of the cost involved. An animal had to lay down its life to pay for the banquet. Jesus had to lay down his life to pay for the banquet. He had to. And that is so unpalatable. To some people, they just cannot stomach it. We need to pray that pride in people's heart will be dealt with. The pride that says, I won't have that. God, I won't have you dying for me. 
I don't want the blood of Christ anywhere near me. We need hearts to be open to accept this great bill that had to be paid. We were singing that song, weren't we? And I'm going to ask the band to, to, to play it in a few moments, the one uh, near the end, about the cost of the cross, the price that Jesus paid. You know, when we're in, we, we love it, don't we? Don't you just, aren't you so grateful for the cost? That cost is mind-boggling. <laughs> there are those today who would take the cost out of the invite. And we can't do it. We cannot do it.